What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's only cold when you get it to the store. I wonder if it's like the ice cold thing and then hot again. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I say we start this podcast. I'm Chase Wanger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everyone is doing well. Today's Spring is here. Almost. March 20th. <laughs> but it feels like it. It feels like it, that's for sure. But today's guest, Rachel Krim. Hi. Rachel, new job title. Yep. What is it? Let's hear it. I'm the branch manager for the R3 division at Fish and Wildlife, so... That's recruitment, retention, and reactivation. So pretty much we just want to get people outside hunting and fishing. If they've done it before, we want to get you back. If you're doing it, we want to keep you. And if you never tried it, we want to teach you and get you out for the first time. So I think this is also, you said R3, this is also your third time on the podcast, I believe. Is it your third? Mm -hmm. I Might think it's your fourth. third. You were our first guest, and I think you came on last year too. Is this your fourth? Yeah, me and Scott did one, and me and Brooks did one. There you go. And then you did one by yourself too, mm -hmm. right? So our and fourth. you've done two with me, I think, or one. I think we just did one together. Well, I love the podcast, though. You've been on the podcast several times, and you have a new new job. That's what you just talked about, your new position, R3, branch manager. Re Go ahead and tell me the R3. Recruitment, again. retention, and reactivation. Recruitment, retention, reactivation. Yes. So I'm a little bit split on this podcast because there's really two things I want to talk about, right? One is your new position and a couple of things that are going on right now with your new position because I know there's a way that people can win a kayak. There's uh, summer camps opening up, so all those people who've been stuck with their kids for the past year at the house doing NTI and everything, they I have an record enrollment in summer camp this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think? You all these parents got to be so tired of their kids. Mommy and daddy put a shotgun on me and made me go to camp. <laughs> 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 I know we can't joke about it, but I don't have, me and Scott don't have children and like some of my friends that don't too, I'm like, man, we are winning at Corona. Like, can you imagine being at home with kids <laughs> during this and teaching them? No, no yeah, uh, there's the Lord bless me. So the, uh, <laughs> so the kayak giveaway is summer camps or something else. And then because of coronavirus too, which is, you know, you just talked about it a little bit, the uh, whole range day, getting your hunter education card, that's all changed. And uh, so I want to talk about that as well, but I also want to talk about your girl Sookie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My girl Sookie. I think Sookie is one of my favorite. Besides from my own dog, I like Sookie a whole lot. I see her on your and Scott's like Instagram stories and stuff all the time. And I saw recently UBT1 certification. United Blood Trackers. So it's like a, we call it United Blood Trackers. That's the name of the organization. So if someone was looking to get like a wounded animal recovered, mm -hmm. they've hunted, that's where they would typically probably find you online if they just Googled it. Um, but it really is like wounded game recovery. Um, that probably makes more sense to people that don't know it. Let's circle down to that here in a minute because yeah. I, I wanted to know what that certification was, but I think that the whole, you're the only person I know that has a blood dog, right? Or a blood tracking dog or a tracking dog. And it's Sookie, she's about a, how old is she, 10 months or so? She's nine months, yeah. Nine month old, uh, wired haired Dotson. Mm -hmm. And so basically it's a wiener dog. She's I mean, a wiener dog. You're, you're, I never th thought of wiener dogs, blood tracking, never, See, I, I don't know think a lot together. of people do, but Rachel explained this to me really well the first time that I went out and blood trailed a, a deer with you when you told me about their prey drive. Crazy. You know, you know how a Dotson, when you walk up to a house, Dotsons are just nip, nipping at your ankles and biting you left and right? That's because they're just such aggressive dogs. They want, they're trying to kill you. Scott's dog, uh, or Scott, Rachel's husband, Scott, told me, he said if a, 
if this dog, and I'm looking at that little four pound, six week old Dodson, he said, if that dog w was 50 pounds, it'd kill every one of us. <laughs> and he said, we, none of us would get out of the room with it alive. My sister has one of the long hair ones. Mm -hmm. And little Henry's like, he runs the whole show. I mean, he <laughs> struts around like that's, I spent a week with him. Did great driving from Phoenix to Nashville. That dog did great, but he is like, I run the show. He is Mr. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. I think so King of the world. Before I get like too off top topic, but I think like a lot of people that track in other states with these wired haired dots and her wiener dogs, they have a tendency to like bite hunters a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I've really tried to like take Sookie around people and she likes people, but there is something like like not right in her head. She's got a lot of wolf going on. <laughs> well, <laughs> she that's just wants to get stuff. See, so. I, have, I have all these questions about the dogs, but like, so this morning I was driving to work and I was thinking, okay, we got a podcast coming up. And uh, I was, I was just out, I left uh, Shelby Trails Park with Chad. I went out there with Chad and he has beagles. So before we left the park, we were ki kicking brush piles, trying to see if we could jump a rabbit, right? And I started thinking about it, you know, I have guns like a lot of us do. And I have a rifle for this, I have a rifle for that. I have mm -hmm. a shotgun for this, a shotgun for that. And that's kind of how, if you, if I had my perfect kennel of dogs, I would have a lab for, for this, that, and mm -hmm. another. And I'd have a beagle for rabbit hunting, and a feist for squirrel hunting. Mm -hmm. And I'd have um, a sookie for my, you know <laughs> what I mean? And a, and a hound for coon hunting or something like that. But there really is like specialized dogs for every single thing you want to do outside. And just like they're specialized guns, you know? And uh, nobody that I know has a dog of each breed. I, I think that'd be pretty cool. But sookie is the gun that you want for finding wounded game. Yeah, I mean, she's the gun that I wanted. I think probably there would be arguments that like maybe a bloodhound or a cur dog might be better, but um, I chose her because I knew that I could hold her back or pick her up if I needed to and carry her. Um, well, that's my first question to yeah. you that I wanted to ask. Well, like I said, this is kind of split. I wanted to talk R3. I want to talk everything going on there, but I also want to talk about Sookie. And <laughs> I always I, want to talk about her. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So my first question I had was what made you decide that you wanted to get a dog and train it for something like that? So this might get like a little personal and I think I've explained this very good, but before when I've talked to people, but I had, someone had told me about these wired haired Dotsons for blood tracking like six or seven years ago. And I've been like hounding Scott, like, let's get another dog, let's get another dog, I want to train her to blood track. He's like, no, we're a one dog family, we're a one dog family. And then in early 2020, I had some health issues and I used that to my advantage <laughs> for bargaining tools. And so I didn't have to ask anymore. Play I the just, cards you have, baby. Yeah. So I just said, I'm going to get the dog. And he's like, well, okay. <laughs> like, I can't argue with that. Yeah, what's he going to say? And so, um, and like I was telling him the other day, we were talking about it. He really likes her now. Mm -hmm. He did not like her. I can tell. I see, I see Sookie on Scott's yeah. <laughs> social media. He likes her as... a lot. But he didn't want another dog. And like, you know, I just think he was the kind of husband that was like, all right, it's not worth argument. She wants this right now. And, you know, really my life was kind of sucking at the time. And so <laughs> um, he just let me do my thing. But I knew I had this short window. Mm -hmm. So like I was probably like halfway through my treatment stuff. And I like didn't even really do any research on the breeder or anything else, but I found a dog and I'm like, I'm driving tomorrow to pick up our dog. <laughs> and she was in Alabama, <laughs> right? She was in Alabama. And I had no business driving to get her, you guys. But man, I got on the road and did, and <laughs> it was really dumb. But then I wouldn't let Scott come with me because I knew that they were one dog, one people dogs. Yeah. And I was like, I just know she'll like yeah, him better than me. Yeah, one imprint with me, not, yeah. yeah. So they, okay, so you wanted her to get to know you. 
to be, I wanted her to be my dog. And so, yeah, I did all kinds of silly stuff. <laughs> Looking back, that was really dumb. But, no, it worked out well. Yeah. You, but you judge a decision on the outcome, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. And so far, that was a great decision. It okay? was a good decision, but uh, poor Scott, man, he's a trooper. So anyways, well, that's kind of how it happened. I just knew that like I wanted this little dog and I thought it was cool and I always thought wiener dogs were cute. And, yeah, well, you know. I never had, I, I'll be honest with you, I never thought super highly of the wiener dog breed. Like I have a black and tan beagle and people would tell me it was a wiener dog and I'd get upset about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, but, but when you put, most people who have wiener dogs, they're just like house dogs. Really hyper aggressive house dogs. Yeah, I know. But yours is like a useful Ankle biting <laughs> little, you know. Henry's cool though, but he definitely, it, take, it took me a long time for him to warm up to me. I mean, he's you know, older now, and I yeah. mean, he's just now starting to warm up to me, and I've been around him a ton. Yeah. That's Joni's dog. We saw, uh, we ran into a friend of ours with boat ramp the other day, and he said his parents used to breed, breed Dotsons, and um, what did he call them? He said, he said they just pinch. They don't bite you. They pinch and twist and they pull plugs out. He said they're like a goose the way they bite you. And I think that's probably pretty true. So they can't really do a lot of damage, but still probably hurts pretty fast. So something I've always been interested in, how did Crank take to Sookie? He almost killed her. <laughs> I didn't think that would you. He, they were really good at first. Well, I tried to do a bunch of research. So when we got her, I mean, she was tiny. Like, no, she was tiny, tiny. Yeah, little, little. She's six, six, almost 17 pounds now, but she was like itty bitty. Henry weighs 15. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that dog weighed more than five pounds the first time I saw it track a deer. It yeah. had to be five or six pounds. Yeah, tiny. she was a little. A little bit young. But we took them to a park and like introduced them to each other and he tried to roll over her on top of her the first time. And then we were just like really aware of like them eating and that stuff. But then one day we did something stupid and like gave her a toy and he didn't have one and he oh. decided he wanted it and bit her face and oh it was bad like she was bleeding i thought he was and then we were like really aware but now they're buddies yeah they I sleep could. together now it just took some time yeah that's why you know i mean he was older too so i think he was probably like the heck is going on here like and i've been living this great life and you bring this little terrible dog into our house what are y'all thinking even i've been living a great life you know i split nearly split your head completely open <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 he didn't really like it. now they're good so uh i've been wanting another dog here recently and i've always wondered how hunter's gonna take to a, a buddy i think he'd do okay He's got a pretty mild-mannered personality. I never have seen him actually. It's good to have two dogs though, because they, yeah. they bond and then they're not as anxious and stuff when you're not around, if you go out, you know. So when yeah. you got Sookie, what did, you already knew that you wanted to train her for this. So it's kind of like was in your mind when you went to pick her up. So how did you start that process? How do you start training a dog to find, to, to track one of the game? So there's a book that I recommend and you can get look at for it on the United Blood Trackers website, but it's like, uh, tracking dogs for wounded game. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the Bible pretty much for tracking. Okay. So that's where anybody that's interested should start. Um, but before I even picked her up, like the breeder was starting with like drags and stuff there. Um, so I immediately, when I got home, started with like liver and hide drags just short in her yard. Mm -hmm. And she so, would automatically do it, like nose to the ground. So you take a piece of uh, liver, like deer liver, mm -hmm. and just drag it behind you, create a, a trail and let her let her follow that? Let her follow that. Is there a reward at the end of it for Always food for her and then or hide. So mm -hmm. like when I'm doing training tracks now, she either gets deer heart or liver, but she finds the hide first and then that's her thing and then i i usually mess with her with the deer hide a little bit to try and get her like jacked up about it but she's straight on mm -hmm. she knows the routine now like okay. she knows 
there's gonna be a bowl of meat for me at the end of this. Mm -hmm. So I did um, see something interesting on UBT. We had like a private Facebook group and there were some breeders talking about, um, like depending on where you're gonna get your dog from, if the females are tracking yeah. while they're pregnant, the puppies tend to come out with more prey drive and like imprinting knowing that. Hmm. Now, I don't know, that might could, it sounds a little hocus pocusy, but I mean, how do, I don't know, how are humans born with like some thoughts, forethoughts too? No, or, no. Well, I'd say it probably know, has to so. go under the diet of the mother. You know, if she's getting raw deer liver, it's, I can see how that could imprint on, yeah. uh, on something inside of her as well. You or know? tracking at the time. But yeah, so we would just progressively increase distance and time. Time was the main thing. And then move to less scent. So we're, if you drag a, a deer liver, they're going to know like nose on the ground. That's where I'm going. There's a lot of scent there. But then you, you move to hide. And then now we're training her with a tiny bit of blood and mainly just hoofs. Hmm. So hmm. I've been trying to order tracking shoes online, but they only you have to have them imported through Germany. Hmm. And it's really tough to figure out the form online, but I'm waiting for that to come through. But right now, Scott just made me like tobacco sticks with hose clamps. And I'm using deer hooves and then squirt bottle of deer blood. So in the off season, is that pretty much what you do to mm -hmm. keep her sharp too? Yeah, so. and so she has her next test coming up in April, and that one's like twice as hard as the first one that we did. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to make sure she's prepped and ready for that one. And so. That, so the one that she just did, that was, I think I saw on Facebook late February, mm -hmm. like February 28th or something like that, just two weeks ago, a week ago, something yeah. like that. So, what is, so where did you go? What did you have to do? What's it mean? So UBT2 or UBT1, so there's the judges all over the country. I think it's mainly centered around the eastern side of the country, although there are starting to be more tracking dogs in the western part of the country. But um, you have judges and like typically during non-COVID times, there'd be a bunch of seminars you could mm -hmm. go to and learn and then uh, test your dogs at those points. But we worked out with a judge just over the river and um, he, lay, he would lay a track for you. And then he, he passed, it's just a pass or fail. So he'll pass or fail you as a team. Mm -hmm. So how you interact with your dog and okay. go like that. So UBT1 is like 500 yards and it's aged at least four hours and it has a minimum of 290 degree turns and a wound bed okay. in it. Okay. And a what? And a wound bed. So like where the deer's bedded down and got back up. Yeah. Off. Well, yeah, and I, I went on, I think I went on three tracks with you last year. And we experienced a wound bed on, I think, every one of them. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty common. The first deer I saw sick you find was Chad's deer, and that was actually on the show. Mm -hmm. I so saw you, that. you can go on YouTube and watch that. The second one was a buddy of mine, Andrew, mm -hmm. um, who had shot a deer the day before. And the third one was actually my own deer, which I was very happy to see Sookie <laughs> complain. She did so good, too. On she mine. did. She killed your, yours <laughs> and Chad's. Like, mm -hmm. she... Andrew's deer, she didn't do very good on. She got us close, and then we ended up stumbling upon the deer yeah, before she it. found it. But I didn't give her, like, looking back now, like, <laughs> it's my job to give her the best conditions. And, like, hot and windy and, like, sun blazing is not the best. I probably She probably would have done better on Andrew's deer if we would have waited till dark okay. and tracked it then. It was my deer, man. She literally just basically ran to it. <laughs> Six minutes. Straight track the whole way. I think I saw her get off the track one time for about three feet. She doubled back, got right back on it. Yeah. But it was it was really That's I cool. thought like it was as good as I could have ever imagined a dog doing was how she did on mine. But part of it was you said that I had done the right things after the shot. Mm -hmm. And that's something I wanted to talk about. And this is something I, I think we might replay, re-air, re-promote, re-do something 
in September or October when people are getting ready to shoot their deer. Because you can do things like between the shot and when you find that deer, there's a lot to screw up. Yeah. yeah. A whole lot that you can screw up. And so I wanted to get your opinion on what it is that people screw up the most. But before we get there. Okay. Two other things. So other question I had um, as far as Sookie goes, you know, some people with uh, rabbit dogs or I don't know as much about waterfowl, but rabbit or squirrel dogs, they kind of like live off to the side. They aren't really a member of the family, like a pet pet living in the house, you know, might keep them kenneled. Mm -hmm. So is Sookie a, a pet pet living in the house? Oh, yeah, man. She on sleeps couch? in the bed with us every yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was Because a lot of dogs, I mean, I've made yeah. people mad. It's like, oh, hey, don't pet my dog. Um, that's my hunting dog. Don't pet it. So I yeah. think, like, there are probably some breeds that people track with that are like that, and it's just their breed, but... Um, yeah, they're human dogs. Like, she is in charge of my house pretty that's, much. That's how hard it is with, yeah. with our house, too. Pretty much yeah. runs the place. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how many recoveries did you get last year? 20. 20 recoveries in Sookie's first season. And you didn't even get Sookie until end of season. It was October when you found Chad's deer. No, I had her, but she was so little. So I picked her up at, like, the end of July is when I got her, Chase. And mm -hmm. so the I had this, like, I didn't really know how it was going to go. You know what? I think I was lucky because I'd bow hunted and hunted for a number of years. And so I felt like pretty confident and I was like terrified I was going to do something to scare her where mm -hmm. she would be like, I'm out. Um, so the first few I did for her and some of those 20 recoveries were no recoveries. So like family or friends that like shot deer and like, hey, I hit this deer good. I would still put her on it for mm -hmm. experience. And so that's probably not accurate as far as like numbers yeah, but, goes. Yeah. Just so everybody's, I'm clear on that. Sookie recovered, to her knowledge, 20 deer last she, year. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, I just totally lost my train of oh, thought. Oh, I just asked how many it was. It was oh, okay. all, and when she got going, so. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, she was little. She's yeah. still little. Out of all those tracks you did last year, what, what was the biggest difference in, because there were some you didn't recover, right? Mm -hmm. So what was the biggest difference in a recovered deer versus an unrecovered deer? Well, is it shot placement or what the person did after the shot? A little bit of both? I know, I can tell for sure that we left three deer in the field. Not in one field at once though. No, but that <laughs> that were dead. I think a lot of the tracks we go on, the deer just aren't dead. It's yeah. not a lethal hit, right? But um, three were for sure dead. And I knew they were dead, but it was, they were all three back hit, like uh, gut shots. Mm -hmm. So they were hit back and they were all pushed by the hunter. Okay, so pushing them. So not enough time, pushed by the hunter, and then a lot of walking around. Like if you remember my deer, it was a perfect gut shot. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better gut shot. It was perfect. Yeah, but you gave him enough time. Yeah, well we gave him 12 hours or so. Honestly, on a gut shot, I'd probably like to give it more than that, but he was hit in the lower intestine, which you told me is a little bit more lethal yeah. than the upper, the more blood in the uh, lower intestine. Mm -hmm. But really, if you're second guessing yourself on your shot, just back out and play it safe, right? Back out and call a tracker. And like, I think the main thing is just like, keep in mind um, that there's people that want to help. They mm -hmm. want to run their dogs, right? So like I'm tracking, but I know a lot of people throughout the state that would love to take tracks too. So one of us is going to come help you. Yeah. Um, and it's totally worth it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we want to see our dogs work. You want to find your deer. Win-win. Don't go stomp it up with your buddies. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right? That's what Which you do. is what all of us want to do. I like looking back, I can think of like one deer for sure a dog would have found for me. 
and it was a good hit. Like I hit this bucket, it was my first bow buck. And then I like, was really green, so I didn't know anything. I was waiting for Scott to get there and it just opened up rained. Mm -hmm. No question mm. a dog would have found that deer. And Cause I can try completely right. <clears throat> yeah, water would have probably helped actually. Yeah. And we like walked and walked this field and like must have walked like five yards from it. And mm -hmm. it was just like a tall standing grass field. We couldn't see. And so I never, didn't find him until the buzzards or vultures had like beaten down mm -hmm. the grass around him and stuff. So. You know, it would couple really, well, I guess you have a dog, so you don't need this anymore. But I've actually used a drone to recover a lot of game yeah. to find it. And you know, out there in Eastern Kentucky and uh, you know, thick areas even around here, the drone can really help you. Or, or like, like if if we think about the corn or cornfields are typically like okay for dogs soybeans suck to track in mm -hmm. but why like just maneuvering through them and stuff mm. with talking about a standing bean field yeah mm. but drones like that's something that we'll recommend as trackers too yeah it's strong. Um, I was gonna say maybe you should get your hands on one. Yeah. But man, I really sucked at video games when I was a kid, so I'm well, just no. scared I'll just <laughs> crash it over and over again. Nope, I've took my drone out once, <laughs> never saw it again. <laughs> lost it. <laughs> no, I've lost them before. So. I have. We have like an old, uh, an older like cheap one, but I like I tried to fly it one time and I just wrecked it twice, and I'm like whatever. So maybe you can show me how to do it. <laughs> they're pretty. They're pretty user friendly now. They're made for everybody. I don't know about that. I was so bad at video games. Well. My brother used to beat me so bad at every video game. I still feel so like mad. I'm bad at video games. I don't me play. Me So basically, Silky got a brand new fresh last year, got her in July, trained her. Um, in season, you got her on 20 successful tracks. There were a couple unsuccessful ones, mostly because the deer were either still alive or people had tromped blood all over the place just walking the track. So we went on 47. She went on 47? Mm -hmm. And I know for sure three of those we left in the field, which that like hurts my heart because um, all three of those were gut shots. And like, based on like what I saw out of, out of your track and others, if they would have just walked away and mm -hmm. given them enough time, she'd have for sure found well, their deer. Well, so I'm just thinking back on my track right now. I remember when I shot that deer, exactly where he was standing. I remember where I saw him go into the woods at, like clean as day, still remember it. And we tried to track him for about a hundred yards. Finally, we found blood. And we tracked him like 50 yards or 100 yards, and my buddies wanted to keep going. I was like, no, we're, let's just call it. Let's back out. Let's just give him time. Because I, I, I could tell by the way he was hunched up going into the woods that it was a back shot. And then uh, when we came out there, we just put Silky right on that fresh blood. And I mean, it, it was like a beeline, just like straight to it. And you use, uh, so I use on X now when I go shed hunting. To, and I run a track while I'm shed hunting. And you know, sometimes in these big blocks of woods, you can get a little bit turned around. I can just look at my map and see my track and I'm wanting to zigzag, you know, I'm wanting to trace those woods. And uh, you run the same tracker when you do an actual blood trail, right? Yeah, so I use it now. I'm getting ready to upgrade to like a collar for her and a handheld mm -hmm. tracking device. But right now, Onyx, I mean, it's inexpensive. 30 you know? bucks a year for yeah. one state, you get properties, yeah. it's worth it. So, but even now, like I use it laying practice tracks and then I'll hide it and then see how she runs it over top of it. You can see though, like, I want to call her on her to see exactly what she's doing. Yeah, you can so. get a collar for her. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, just a GPS collar, like for any hunting dog. Mm -hmm. You know, Rachel, yeah. that circles me. I just thought of something else that I want to talk about. It's something I previewed with Lee a few weeks ago and I completely, it slipped my mind completely until just now. And that's how to get permission. 
And when we started talking about OnX and the landowners, it made me think, you know, you're somebody who's asked for permission before too. And I wanted somebody on here that I could talk to about how to go about asking for permission, like what the do's and don'ts are and how to be etiquette and stuff like that. So maybe that's something we can touch on here in a little bit. Okay. Because this is the time of year to get permission. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, it's easier to get permission to shed hunt and turkey hunt on than it is deer hunt. You can parlay those things right on over into deer mm -hmm. season. Yeah. And if you want to go ask, you want to do it now, not in August when somebody else has already beat you to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but first, before we get there, it's warming up, Lee. What are you looking forward to doing this spring? Oh, let me see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me count the ways. I want to go to a farm pond or a small lake first. And then? And then I'll be floating the streams often. And if you didn't have a kayak, you would need one. Yes. And Rachel's group over there in R3 is fixing to give one away. Um, Elkhorn's down to 790. It's very fishable. Did it's, you look at it? No, I, I've been watching it because of this dam removal. I've been watching it, seeing where we're at. Yeah. Um, it's very fishable. But so I was wanting to get into there is that for the last three years, I think this is the third year we've given a kayak away, right? And not just like your cheap Pelican kayak from Walmart. I mean, it's a, if I'm, it's a Jackson kayak, right? Jackson Or it's kayak. a native or a Jackson It's one. a Jackson this year. We've given sure. natives away before too. Haven't we? Yeah. It's a Jackson this year, I think. So long story short, the department, specifically the R3 mm -hmm. um, um, branch, which you're now the branch manager of, is giving away a kayak. And how do they get it? You said your retention, reactivation, the R3. Mm -hmm. so, so how does that tie into a free kayak? So if you take someone fishing that has not purchased a license in the last three years. Does this include people who are just now eligible to buy a license for the first time? Sure. Or they've never bought a license in the past. Yeah. Then uh, if you go to your my profile, you'll see all the information. But pretty much you just upload their customer ID stuff mm -hmm. and you'll be entered to win the kayak. So really the idea is we want you to take people fishing and in, in return you get to enter to win to buy. Now can you enter? So long story short, I, I, I've been fishing for years, right? Mm -hmm. But my you know cousin has never been fishing before he wants to go fishing so I, i'm taking fishing you need a fishing license Let's oh annual fishing. fishing license i didn't mention that. so they have to buy their fishing license mm -hmm. so and it's their customer id that they get on their license that you enter so i take my cousin fishing he has his fishing license now i take his customer id i go on to my profile on the website and there's a spot for me to enter the kayak giveaway mm -hmm. and i'll just ask for that information yep can you enter more than once uh, so if I take five people fishing for the first time this spring? You know, I'm not sure. I bet you can. I think you can. Hang on, I'll look it up. Okay. I don't right. want to tell you guys wrong. So <laughs> no, that's good to know because that's more incentive. I don't mm -hmm. think, I mean, I would have to look at the number of entries that there were last year, but I got a feeling that this is probably <clears throat> a little more bang for your buck, especially if you make the other person buy their own license. You know, if you could enter this two or three times, take mm -hmm. two or three new people fishing and get a couple entries, you've got a pretty, you know, respectable chance of getting a, it's, it's something like a, how many thousand dollar package? I mean, it was a it nice was, package. Yeah. You get a paddle and PFD a, and all that. You get a, a Werner mm -hmm. paddle, a PFD, I think it was two fishing rods and reels and a kayak. I mean, it was a pretty yeah. good package. So. I have a Werner paddle and I love it. Everybody has to buy their first fishing license at some point. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here is, just a second, man, uh, it's a $1,000 kayak fishing prize package, and let me read what kind, it, it is a Jackson, and it had the, what kind of Jackson? 
It just said that. It's a Jackson Bite Angler. It's 2021 version. And this is with Canoe Kentucky, right? Yeah. Yes. Cool. And they're working with us on the dam removal. Yeah. Which is something we're going to have to talk about again in the near future. Yes, yeah, no doubt. Well, it's one week from today. Yeah. Well, it's something like that. They said it's it's that week. I'm not sure if it's actually that day. I, what we're talking about for people who don't know is that the dam on Elkhorn Creek is coming out, mm -hmm. um, which is a big deal for kayakers. If you're doing the upper, what a lot of people call the gorge section. Yeah. Well, I think a lot more people will do it after the dam comes out. Mm -hmm. Because that's just one reason. That, the portage there, that dam, if it was, I just hated doing that portage because you had a very, very slick, steep pad. You didn't have much room to land and carry around. And, yeah. and that thing has killed quite a few people through the years. Well, I mean, that's got to be the prettiest section. Yeah. It's probably the most fun to kayak, too, if you're not worried about fishing. Yeah. So someday in the near future, somebody can win this kayak that Rachel's talking about, take it to Elkhorn, and without having to portage, can do the upper section. Yep. Yeah. We can force and take out it. Softly's bottoms or nice bridge or wherever. Just do the whole 20 miles. Or, or do, the do whole it 20. all. The whole 20. What'd you How find out? How long does 20, 20 miles take in a kayak? A long time. A long time. Is it like an overnight trip, like a two day? I think you can do it you one day. You can do it one day, but you won't be fishing much. I only know one guy who's done it. I only know one guy who's done that with the whole Elkhorn in one trip. I was out there on the upper section and he uh, <clears throat> had put in at the forks. He was taking out at Stillwater. And he said it was a full day thing for him. He was pulled over eating lunch when I talked to him. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to do it sometime. But. Yeah, two poles, uh, a life jacket, like a, you know, kayak life jacket, mm -hmm. and then the so a kayak, kayak and a paddle. A kayak, a Jackson kayak, a Werner paddle, I mm -hmm. believe is what it was. Two rods and reels, I think they were Abu Garcia last year. And mm -hmm. then uh, a PFD, and all you gotta do to get entered when is take somebody. I think it's a good PFD too. It's yeah. NRS. Or? Well, it's a kayak one, like a, you know the. Yeah, I have one. I'd say it no. probably is to par with a Jackson kayak, a Werner paddle, and Abby Garcia rides and reels. Yeah. So probably about that same level of quality. Yeah, NRS you know. or a Stellquist or a good, you know. <clears throat> Nicer yeah. than what I have, but my life jacket hopefully has my back. I never have truly tested. <laughs> yep, I have just for fun, and it it did it. You know. I'll, the only thing I wish my seat, my don't all the way, I have to kind of pull it up and get the seat to butt up against the back, but other than that. But all somebody has to do to enter to win is take somebody fishing for the first time or, you know, get somebody to buy their fishing license for the first time and then use that customer ID on the website and there's your entry, right? Yeah, and if you're looking for a place to fish <laughs> and you live in the city, for sure look up the Fins Lakes. Fins Lakes, yeah. Yeah, FINS on our website, just search it and it'll pull up once close to you. And you can look at <laughs> stocking schedules too. I mean, oh, they're all being stocked right now. Yeah. So, actually, some for some reason in my office there today, I got a, my phone's ringing over there. I'm thinking, oh boy, somebody. And usually, when somebody's calling me, it's it's always internal. It's somebody that I work with, I know every day. So, I just answer the phone, hello? <laughs> and it was an outside customer <laughs> who had somehow gotten my uh, my number. And he asked uh, when the Fins Lakes at Waverly Park were going to be stocked. And I wanted to transfer him to the info center, but I knew I have no idea how to transfer anybody. I was like, <laughs> I was like so I told, I told him, I said, if I try to transfer you, I'm just going to hang up on you. So hold on. So I got on the stocking page and I looked up the stocking schedule and it's like within the past two weeks, they've been getting stocked and in the next two weeks they're getting stocked. And then I, I keep seeing on Facebook and, you know, all the fishing groups, people posting their limits. And one guy the other day posted six trout in his picture. And he started getting slammed in the comments. Just, Good. But he had another angler with him. It was not all his. So, but it's funny, man. Those Facebook police. We take took some pictures on the Ohio River of 
the Saugai and Saugers all from taken from uh, Meldal Lockendale. This was a long time ago when the reg was different. Ohio River was different. You could keep 10. So we had 10 on there. You don't even know your old rigs. <laughs> I mean, we got a bunch of just nasty. It was like, sir, that was picture taken on the Ohio River. If you look under special regulations on page eight, look under Ohio River. Oh, Daily Saugers, Grill of it. Ten fish. That's fine, man. I like those people. But, but, I'd rather but, yeah. I'd rather people be stingy about the regs and get on people. Yeah, I know. But boy, they were they lit us up like a. It just be <laughs> free for all. <laughs> I can see the point though. Yeah. You been fishing yet, Rachel? Nope. You gonna, you gonna haven't been fishing. Go yet. anytime soon. We went. We well, we went to the lake on Saturday, but we were like uh, shed hunting. Yeah. So you're probably up in the trees. Yeah. T-bill's up right now. Yeah. It is up, and they, but they did have a crappie tournament taken out, and we talked to a friend of ours, and I think he said over eight pounds was first place. That's pretty good for a five-fish crappie tournament. Yeah. That's a, over a pound and a half. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but then I think second place might have been like four pounds and some change. Um, but it was up high, so we did some scouting and just walking. You gonna go hit the uh, white bass run when it comes in? Do you ever do that? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be white there. bass stuff yesterday. One of my favorite things about the white bass run is how dang social it is. If I go down there to, to Salt River, you know, to the WMA and fish the white bass run, oh, hey, there's Tim Sloan, oh, there's Rick Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one after another. I ran into you one day. Oh, you just see people, you know, all over the place. It's, so, so I, for the first farm I ever hunted, my uncle's farm is like right there off Palmer Road. Okay. But he recently sold it, so. That's gone out of the family now, but so a you're lot saying of good the, the white bash the white bash run fisherman got on your nerves is what you're saying. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. No, 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 not at all. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I can see how if you're turkey hunting down there, right during the uh, white bash run, how it could be. Uh, but they closed the Palmer Road, so you shouldn't have too many issues. I've never we've never fished it from the bank. Years ago, Scott and I did by boat, and it was good. We I, caught a lot of crappie in there though. A lot of, during the white bass mm-hmm. run. You'll catch the saw guy, the crappie, and the white bass yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. I saw a guy pull a, a healthy limit out of uh, Nolan River yesterday. Bacon Creek. I mean, I'm talking every one of those white bass was big. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a little early, though. I know. Very I, early. I thought it would be early. He, yeah, he proved it, though. Bacon Creek, I mean, they're, they're staging that already. Yeah. Because they'll be running on up the broad forward and on up above. I'm interested in seeing what the, happened with your Did audio there. Did you fish there. there yesterday? No, I just saw it on Facebook. When you did that, uh, your microphone was back behind your head. So oh. I'm anxious to see what the audio sounded like there. I don't wear headphones when I do these podcasts. I used to. Like you were probably in here. You were probably a guest on one where I wore the headphones. I just felt like it was, Too I can't, much. I'd rather sit here and talk casually to everybody and just have a conversation than have it. Well, because it muffled your ears, you know, we weren't, we thought we were yelling, but we weren't talking loud. And now in this room, we, um, <clears throat> because of coronavirus, we are in a bigger room where we can sit further apart. And I feel like, you know, we kind of get an echo and everything. So if audio quality isn't perfect, I'm, I'm sorry. But that's just the room we're in and the equipment we have to use right now. So It's COVID. <clears throat> yeah, it is. <laughs> but anyway, fishing. So I'm getting real geeked up for fishing. And a minute ago, Lee, you were talking about a farm pond or something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We've been pulling some hogs out of some farm ponds lately. But they're also chocolate milk. I mean, yeah. the, the visibility the other day was four inches. I had a solid black creature bait on four inches was how deep I could see it. In the is that water. what you were catching them on? No, I haven't, I haven't caught one yet. Kristen's been catching them. <laughs> What's your spin? The queen, I love it. She likes the uh, swim baits. She's been throwing like a five inch Kitek. And she's caught one the other day, five, five, so five and a half pounder, and then she caught one that went about eight. What color? Wow. White. Yeah. Well, I've got them. Yeah, I've got them too. I don't know why I don't tie one of those on. 
you're I'm, hard-headed. No, I'm stubborn. Like, I'm just, yeah, that's, you hit it on the head. Mm -hmm. So right now, like, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking cold water, you know, slightly lethargic fish, big meal, easy to catch. That's what they're going to want. They're going to want something big and easy. They don't have to chase down. So I'm throwing big creature baits, big worms, all the stuff I've had success on my whole life and early, like, you know, spring. She's over there just doing the complete opposite, running a swim bait, just burning it back in and catching fish, and I'm not. So I guess sometimes intuition just goes out the window, yeah, and you just got to do what's working. So I'm going to quit being stubborn. I'm going to tie on a swim bait next time I go, and she'll probably switch techniques and start slaying them on a <laughs> ribbon worm. So, no, but the white bass run, I'm looking forward to, and then the hybrids down there at the falls. I know I'll see. It'll be a while for that, won't it? The river is. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and I think. I don't know. Scott and I were talking about like we're gonna fish a bunch this year because I didn't you really better. get to. At I saw all Scott last out there year. last year. I never saw you though. I couldn't go. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a couple surgeries. Yeah. But this this year you'll <laughs> he be found on a there. way though. Yeah. yeah. I know. He's like, we gotta make it a point to put up more fish this year. I'm like, okay. So. I like that. We gotta make it a point to put it to get on more fish this Just year. Just put That's them my up goal. in the freezer too. Oh, put them yeah. up. Like keep some. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I loved eating fish. Well, I mean, you both. Mm. I don't think Lee's going to argue with that either, are you? No, I love it. Favorite fish to eat, Rachel? Hmm. I like saga. Sauger. Sauger. Yellow perch. Okay, said, where like, are you going to catch water? yellow perch? Or <laughs> <Dougie Lake>. We've <laughs> caught a bunch salt of Salt water or fresh water? No, I'm talking about like one that we could go catch this afternoon. Crappie would be right there with it. Yeah, crappie's pretty good. But we, we got on them a bunch. Crappie fishing, and we just every once in a while pick up a yellow perch, and the plate of yellow perch afterward would be evaporated before really? any of the other plates would be hit. I like Sauger Sauga. The Sauga, bang the for the perch, buck. Them, they're, you know, they're in the perch family. They're still a perch, yeah. Do the yellow perch have teeth? No. Huh, all the other perch do. I wonder why the yellow perch don't. Oh well. I don't crawl, because I've caught several. One of the other things, Rachel, we just talked about some deer hunting stuff, which is extremely out of season. Like, you know, there's diehard deer hunters like us who are 365 thinking yeah. about it. I've been out there shed hunting every day. Every day, I basically deer season is still going on. Have you for found me. many? Uh, I think I've got 14 this year. That's pretty good. Well, one of my buddies picked up 14 in one day the other day, so I'm yeah, not. Yeah, that's luck good. though. <laughs> yeah. Every time I've gone, like on the way, I see bucks with like both of their sides. They're still holding both sides still like this. this is well, I saw a bachelor. Right? I told you I went to Shelby Trails earlier to meet Chad, and um, I saw a bachelor five five bucks in a, together, and two of them had completely dropped. Two of them were holding one side, one of them had both sides. Mm -hmm. So that's like split down the middle, 50-50. Yeah. So I still think it's a, it's a little bit early. I'm probably gonna go back and rewalk some of what I've already done, but I mean, they're they're on the ground too. It's worth looking for them, so. Yeah. It probably has to do with what your terrain is like around there too. Well, for us too, like hunting public land, it's a good time of year to like walk up, you see old rut sign, mm -hmm. and you can start looking at where you're gonna hunt in the fall mm -hmm. too. Yeah. We mark a bunch of stuff up this time of year. So when you're using Onyx, do you mark um, sheds you find? I don't mark sheds. We just mark like... Scrapes, rubs? No, we'll just mark trees we want to hunt. Okay. So mark, the mark the tree. I know a guy who yeah. uh, every time he finds a shed, takes a picture of the shed, drops a pin on Onyx right on top of it. Hmm. And then he'll pull up that information, say he finds 25 sheds that year. He'll pull up all of his sheds and look at where they're congregated at. And that'll help him plan for where to hunt next year. Cool. Um, I, you know, I don't necessarily believe a deer is going to be in the same spot in September that it was in yeah. January, February, but I could tell you something, especially if you still got a buck tag late season. So, well, I mean, food changes so much between our and deer season that... What happens to the antlers that stay on the landscape? 
Don't they get eaten? Yeah, yes. like the only fresh one I found this year, I guess it's squirrels mainly. Well, squirrels. you think all rodents have continuously growing front teeth. Yeah. You know, you ever look at the inside of a mouse skull or a squirrel skull, they got those front mm -hmm. two teeth that are orange. And those teeth are gonna just continuously grow their whole life. And if they don't trim them back, those teeth will actually either get so long that they aren't able to eat with them and the, the animal will starve to death, or the teeth can grow into their own skull and you mm -hmm. know kill them themselves. So for the animals to survive, any rodent, they have to be constantly um, gnawing down those front teeth. So the bone is probably the best thing in nature, you know, the antler. So that's why you see the rodents chew on the antler. I don't think they, they might get some- Calcium. Some calcium, they might get some, you know, benefit from it aside from that, but I think the main purpose is to gnaw down those front teeth. I've got skulls in my office, which is the weirdest thing. How many, how many state agencies do you go to where, well, I've got a bunch of skulls in my office. You gotta see my skull collection. <laughs> That's just up here. But the or you can say, hey, look at all my new shotguns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in the art room looking at them. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't happen to any, you do that other places, you'll go to this wonderful place called uh, jail. Yeah. yeah, we actually have a, uh, we have a gun safe here in our office, so you know. It, it's a little different working for Fish and Wildlife than it probably is most state agencies. So, so you've liked the transition so far, Rachel? Yeah, I love it. I'm really liking the job. If anybody out there is listening that would like to mentor or learn something about hunting or fishing, reach out to us. Yeah, reach out to, I mean, they could probably reach out to you specifically yeah, if they wanted to. You can give me a call. I don't know my direct line number, but my email is rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L dot croom, C-R-U-M-E, and it's at ky.gov. We want you guys to get out and hunt and fish and enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. So, I think that's the main thing like we've heard today, like how much fun it is. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine the person I'd be if it wasn't for hunting and fishing. You know what I mean? Like it defines me as a person. And if I wouldn't have grown up hunting and fishing and done it, I mean, I would have a different friend group. I don't know yeah. what my hobbies would be. I wouldn't like, I'd probably just a completely different person. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing. I might have been better, you know. No, no, no. But I mean, I'm, I'm really thankful for for everything I've learned about fishing. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? We forget to mention how much fun people can have. No, it, it's a lot of fun, but it'll it'll. I think there's a lot of benefit aside from just the good time that you have. You know, like I think back to I remember the very first time I ever went deer hunting. I was by myself. Right, I've told this story before, but just being 11 years old and getting dropped off at 6 a.m. and trying to find that deer stand that was 200 <laughs> yards away in the woods, you know, as an 11 year old in the dark. And I remember seeing the bushes and like, oh, that's, that's something, something's trying to kill me. <laughs> you know, standing there perfectly <laughs> still, just being terrified. And then like being out there and eventually getting comfortable enough with it by, you know, the time I was 13, I could just walk through the woods by myself in the dark all the time and not worry about it. And there's probably grown grown men out there that couldn't do that right now. You yeah. know, it just teaches you to grow up a little bit quicker and mm -hmm. in a different way. And it teaches you to appreciate life a little bit more if you ask me too. Well, it's good for the soul too. Yeah, I think so. And it's a challenge like- Stress reduction in this crazy world. It's good to get away from it. Yeah. Put your phone down for crying out loud. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I despise phones. I think it's made us stupid, but that's just me. You yeah. call me an awful right. lot for disliking phones. I know, phones. Well, I, mean, well, <laughs> I still use my office phone a lot though, just for old times. I was getting on Lee for the one finger and uh, text messages earlier he was sending well, hey, text I did, out. I did it by phone, that second one. I did the whole <laughs> thing by phone. <laughs> well, we got a good laugh out of that. Imagine. But I think it's work too, right? So you go out one time and you fish and you get your tooth kicked in, you don't catch anything. And oh, then the next time you- it me off. It makes me want to go catch them again. Yeah, and the yeah. next time you go and it's a different story and a lot of fun. And 
You know, yeah. I was I was thinking the other day, um, reasons for people to get into it. And, you know, you see a lot of things socially changing, and um, people are more conscious of where the food's coming from these days than they probably were 10 mm -hmm. years ago or 15 years ago. I think that's one of the biggest benefits to hunting and fishing is uh, the food and where it comes from and the mm -hmm. over, overall impact on the environment. Because I've tried to explain this to people before. Most people don't have a long enough attention span for me to get through it before they, they tune out. But as far as how healthy, let's just say, venison is in comparison to beef or pork or anything you're going to buy at the grocery store, it's just because the deer's diet is so much more diverse, you know? Like those beef cattle, yeah. they're, I mean, they're eating corn and, or, you know, grain, probably corn and possibly grass. But venison, I mean, those deer are eating acorns and grass and soybeans and corn and berries mm -hmm. and clover, you know, so that's what they're made of is what they eat. So they just, they're so much more diverse. Their food is, I mean, they're, the meat that they're made up of contains all those vitamins and minerals that you just don't get out of beef. Lean. And they're lean because they got to live on the landscape. So they're not fatty animals who, I mean, there are probably cattle out there who have never ran, you know what I mean? Just walked around <laughs> their whole life. Those deer, I mean, they're running, jumping fences. And so the, the food is much, much healthier. And then you look at the quality of life for the animal. If you gave me the choice between being a beef cow and a deer, and you told me that, you know, the end game was the same either way, I'd take the life of a deer all day, every day. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me live my life and have that one bad day, as Megan Martin told me. I thought that was the best thing. We, fil great. we filmed that R3 piece, and Megan Martin is a, a lady who was on the show this past year. She had just gotten into hunting recently. And one of the questions we asked her was what made her want to get into hunting? And her answer was all along where the food comes from. And she described it. She said that the deer get to, she said it like very poetically. I could never do what Megan does, but the deer get to sleep under the stars and eat berries and they only have one bad day. And I was like, you know what? That's true. Deer only do have that one bad day. Yeah. And it's not like every one of them gets harvested. I mean. Oh, no. I mean, the average life expectancy of a deer is three years. Um, that's what I was told. Really? In three years is hmm. your average age of, is your average life, now that includes fawns that are probably, you know, I don't know what our fawn mortality rate is. I'd have to ask uh, one of the guys up front, but that includes all deer. Um, so that's why when you find that five and a half year old buck, it's like, wow, mm -hmm. that's pretty special because um, he's almost doubled what they typically live to in the wild. Yeah, and they're really not very smart when they're young yeah and th so the third aspect of that so it was how healthy the food is quality of life for the animal the third aspect of it was environmental impact um that's that's the other reason i think people are going to be getting into it in the future and so if you look at now i'm not trying to knock on the beef industry or the you know because i think that that's an essential industry to the world today you know like we we couldn't make it as a society without that industry but if you have the means to go out and get your own food it's much better for the environment too because if you think about what has to happen for a cow to go from start to finish product, you have to, you know, clear cut land for the cattle to, to live on, clear cut land to grow corn to feed the cattle on. You have to ship the, the cattle back and forth from place to place in tractor trailers. And then, you know, the final product after the cow has been, um, you know, turned into beef. You have to package that and move that around, and just the the carbon footprint, the fossil fuels that they are involved with it. They release a lot of methane too. Yeah, when they're grazing. If you look at the the carbon footprint of the industry, the beef industry, I mean, it's substantial. And you compare that to what you can do if you fill your own freezer with venison. You're getting better food that had a better quality of life, and you're doing much less harm to the environment. And having like, way more fun than oh, going yeah. to the grocery store and buying beef. I do like people watching. 
the grocery store. store? Yeah, all of, especially now that but I some of them like, did you look at a mirror at all before you left the house? Hey man, sometimes, <laughs> so I'm, sometimes no. I'm that person. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> at least put a hat on. Some people come in. Yeah. As long as you got your mask, everything else goes. No, no. And the grocery you can store. A lot of people it is nice it. though, because now you can't see people's faces. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if I, was I just, put my mask on, peeps. <laughs> you know, never mind. I was gonna say something. <laughs> I was gonna say something. I shouldn't. Um, but I, I think that's a reason people are gonna be. Some people, not all. It's fun. That's the number one reason people are always gonna get into it. But I think there's a lot of health conscious people out there who might have never hunted before that might be looking to it in the future. If that information becomes more wide, like well known, like if it becomes more common knowledge, people are gonna figure that out, and that's gonna be a reason they get into it. In my opinion. Rachel. We talked about the kayak giveaway. I want to, let's do camps. Let's do uh, the Hunter Ed Range Day because those are two things that people need to know about if they have crazy kids at home that they're tired of and before <laughs> everybody becomes like homicidal, need to get rid of these kids. So yes. how do they do it? What's going on this year? What's different? Because obviously set up summer camps for us. I'm not sure. We've talked about them before. People ought to know what they are, but just in case they don't. Yeah, so I actually went to Camp Wallace, but so did I. Fish and Wildlife has three camps throughout the state. So Curry is in Western Kentucky. Camp, oh, Curry's on Kentucky Lake. Camp Wallace is uh, central, central-ish. Lake Cumberland. On Cumberland. And then Camp Webb is on Grayson Lake in eastern Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And so our state is split, split into thirds, and we have counties that go to each camp. So pretty much you drop your kids off at a set location, typically like a middle school or a school close by. Our buses pick them up and take them to camp. They stay all week long, Monday through Friday and they get to learn everything they need to know about hunting and fishing. So they get hunter ed, they learn outdoor survival, Nature. fishing, boating. Uh, there's uh, firearm safety. Firearm safety, archery, archery um, all the fun stuff. Boating, swimming, canoeing, uh, Nature's fishing. Nature's still in. Yeah. Nature's there. Nature and outdoor survival. Oh, they have kayaks now too. I remember yeah, going to conservation great. camp. All three of us. I loved it. Yeah. yeah so me Kentucky too. Lake, I caught a sauger on, uh, I think, a doe ball or a minnow. <laughs> But the, the counselor didn't know what it was. He brought it around and was like, oh, it was a sauger. That's well, I had so a lot cool. of fun at conservation camp. I went to other camps too when I was a kid. I went to, you know, 4-H camp and other camps. Conservation camp was my favorite though. Yeah. Yeah. But and it's I, super affordable. I didn't know. even hunt or fish when I went to conservation camp. What was that, the fourth, fourth through sixth grade, right? Fourth, mm -hmm. fifth, and sixth graders. So super affordable. If kids need assistance, the Fish and Wildlife Foundation, where I came from, they give scholarships. You can reach out to the steeple and find out about that. Um, I'm not sure about the capacity this year. I think it's 50% chase because of COVID. That's what I'd heard was 50% capacity. And in a year that you're gonna have higher demand for summer camps than ever, because mm -hmm. these kids, parents are just, I mean, they gotta be sick of these kids. Yeah, you better get online and register. Yeah. Just yeah. go to our website and look yeah. up camps. <laughs> when did, when did like I, I said before, <laughs> yeah. my parents are the shotgun and made me sign up for camp. <laughs> no, this isn't, I don't think. I had to leave the house. I'll be honest with you, I think demand is gonna be so high for camps this year. I don't think that filling up is a concern. You know, I think we're gonna fill the camps up. So as far as like, when I've talked to people about how do we promote camps this year, it's like, well, I don't really know if we need to promote it, but if you know, it's an we need to promote it in the sense that it's an opportunity that might only be available for a little bit. To for get a short amount of time. So promote yeah. it in the in the way that if you want to do this, go ahead and sign up now. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would sign up now. And the way that works typically, it varies by county, but like counties get specific week, a specific week or weeks depending on the. So you're population. there with people from your county. Typically, yeah. yes, yeah. So. Um, I think is like Jefferson County may get like three or four weeks, maybe the same for like the Lexington counties. 
Um, and then like the rural counties, we maybe only get one week or it's two counties together or whatever else. But I don't know, I mean, the capacity is really small this year, yeah. so. 50%, I mean. That's not much. No. So I'd get them kids signed up. Get online quick. and sign up right now. <laughs> yeah. Send your kid to camp, get a week to yourself. That's, That's right. the best way to promote it. Do you want to get rid of your kids for a week? <laughs> Send to camp. That's, a, that's all you have to say. Yeah. But it, I mean, here's another great thing is that 50% capacity with all the safety protocols that they put into place, like it's going to be a safe place. They'll have fun and learn a bunch of stuff outside that when they come home from camp, you guys can continue to do as a family together. Like I'll drive a boat. Yeah. When I went, they Fish had uh, yeah. bunk beds. So we were bunked. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the 50% capacity, probably doing away with the bunk bed, probably one bed per person, not not bunked. That's just my guess, right? Yeah. That's what makes sense to me. Why would you go with 50% so we can do that and space people out at the activities a bit more. And That's right. So it'll be done. It'll be done safely. And uh, yeah, you can get rid of your kids for a week. and. <laughs> If I had kids, I'd probably. It's it. it's good. It's very good for them, though. I learned. It's a tough. really good age group for kids to like, you know, get away from home and. Yeah, it teaches you. I mean, there were some kids around. I went with who were terribly homesick and oh, they cried cry the whole all time. night. Yeah, yeah. Really. But you know, it's good for kids at that age to get a little bit of independence. Yeah, too. it's good for them. Oh, you it's know. like the perfect age to learn because I still I remember stuff from conservation camp. I don't know if I remember a whole lot before then. You know, it's kind of that first little beginning where you can really start to make an impression and start to you know imprint and teach some things that the kids are going to carry with them for a while that's my opinion i, don't know you yeah, I didn't cry because i got away from my terrorism of my older brother and sister <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, hey. <laughs> no edgies for a while <laughs> that's oh, funny yeah. oh hunter ed that was the next one. Hunter Ed, that's something you have to have if you want to go hunting. If you're born after, what's the date? 75, I think, right? Yeah. If you're born in 75 or later, so if you're younger, then what would that be, 45? 45 years old? Yeah, 46 this year. So if you're 46 or younger, you need your Hunter Ed certification to go hunting. Yep. And because of coronavirus, our whole process for that kind of got very quickly thrown in the blender and, and but we finally we got something solid now right we have something solid so there's a couple options if you've never gone before you can do a one-year exemption so five bucks pay five dollars but you have to be with someone who is hunter ed certified mm -hmm. while you're hunting um, so that's an option if you can't get certified but really it's not super hard to do you go online you take um, a hunter ed online course once you pass that course you register for a virtual range day mm -hmm. And then you have to do a virtual range day. So you just go to a range with a, uh, a mentor per se. So someone who is hunter ed certified or whatnot. And you'll just video yourself safely handling the firearm, shooting down range, showing a safe range, answer a couple questions. And I think there's a video that I think they just posted on YouTube late last week. The department did. So the Kentucky department. Walked you through it. The, yes. The Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife YouTube page, not the Kentucky field one, but the department's web or YouTube page. I got a notification earlier they posted that video, mm -hmm. and it's uh, Gabe Jenkins, and and he actually walks you through each step of the process: how to go online, how to mm -hmm. do this, what to show in your virtual range day video, clicking the safety on and off, unloading the firearm, showing that it's on, all those um, good things, right? Number one rule of gun safety what is the number one rule don't point it at somebody treat every gun as if it's loaded treat yes. every oh. firearm if it's loaded I, I was helping somebody the other day 
I was like, look, if we alter that rule, no accidents would ever happen in a million years. Because even if you had accidental discharge, nothing would happen if it was always pointed in a safe direction. Muzzle yeah. control is so important. No doubt. Yeah. That's yeah. the one thing. If I'm, you can always tell who's experienced and, you know, um, comfortable with, with firearms based on how they handle them, you know. And you think that somebody who is more comfortable with a firearm would be more likely to make a mistake like that, but it's the people who are uncomfortable with them. It's like where the muzzle's pointed sometimes doesn't click, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a, yeah, so that certification is a, it's honestly maybe easier to get right now as far as the process. You can do it from home now, whereas you used to have to go somewhere and do something. So we're and for those people that aren't like a super big fan of, of this too, know that like we're working towards getting back into some sort of like in-person range days. Um, that's been probably like my number one goal with this job moving back is our healthy at work plan to get some in-person classes started for us too. Like an example of a range day, our, we used to do them at the state fair. Mm -hmm. um, we used to, I would, I volunteered for the state fair booth once or twice and people could come and do the range day portion of the test at the state fair with a pellet rifle. Mm -hmm. um, so getting something like that back in place moving forward. And hopefully we can see, it seems, I, I'm, you know, I probably shouldn't speculate. Things seem to be going in the right direction. I don't know this for sure, but someone told me earlier that um, the CDC announced earlier that if two people are vaccinated, they can be in the same area without masks on together. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's huge. Mm -hmm. We start all getting vaccinated, maybe. Have you all been vaccinated yet? I've had my I first hope shot. to this week. You got, you got well, your first shot. You know, we have one there. I missed it. I was, that's when I was in Phoenix, so. Yeah. I have not been. Kristen has been. But I think I knew that you guys were doing it. So, yeah. So, when things are moving forward, hopefully we can get back on pace. But to say somebody needs to get Hunter Ed certified before turkey season. Yep. And you can get it at camp because I just looked at my card and I earned it. And, uh, Me too. 1977 at Camp Curry. I didn't earn mine in 1977. I think mine was like nine, Lee, you might be one of the first people to Seven. ever get Hunter Ed certified. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty close. <laughs> at camp? Probably. Yeah, I got it at camp. Yeah. He got it a year and a half after 75, so. Yeah. That's when that, I remember we had to do simulated hunting. Hold oh, our gun in, in cross the, the fence and all yeah, that. Yeah, cross the fence, walk through a field. Hand your gun to your partner. Your, yeah. yeah. So, Rachel, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 36. 36. I didn't think you did. Some no. women are. Oh, this is what it is, man. So you're. Yeah, you know, we, can, we can lie about it, but it's this is what it is still. <laughs> well, so you were probably at Camp Wallace four years before me, mm -hmm. three or four years before me. So I'd say we probably went through the exact same courses, probably had the exact same instructors. Mm -hmm. But I remember that virtual ranch day, They and there'd be like a. A, a animal in the woods. Mm -hmm. You can shoot or you're not going to shoot. Be like, well, that's a redheaded woodpecker. So no, <laughs> not shooting. I think like, well, there's no good backstop was another one. Yeah. I didn't get my casting badge down there. My or patch, not badge. Patch. It's the one where you have to cast into the hula hoops that are. Hula in the woods. Yeah, and I was like so upset about that. With the little casting, you know, plug. Yeah. It was like a weighted. Yeah, a little plastic weighted thing. Yeah. Oh. And so I complained years later. You should have just made an excuse, the reel. Oh, That's what I making? did. I told yeah, the camp it. staff, I was like, well, y'all had these junky reels at that time. They're like, well, try again. And I still didn't pass as an adult. That's not my thing, man. Rachel, I hate to break it to you, but now you're in charge of that division. Yeah, you may want to practice so your casting. Your, your whole excuse just went out the window, you know? I know. Who are you going to complain so to? I know one. That's just, I'm dangerous. He's like, you're a dangerous caster. I'm like, whatever. Get out of my way. <laughs> I mean, my, my brother and I do a lot of target shooting, and whenever a gun is 
hot, we proclaim it. I mean, you know, we've done it forever. This gun is hot, and you know, just if you take just a few simple things, you know, you can eliminate so much risk. Mm -hmm. You know, well, the, I mean, I think people there's a perception people that do it more get complacent, but the more you've been around and you see what can happen, I think it makes you actually even yeah. more, more paranoid. Dedi dedicated oh, yeah. paranoid. I just think gun safety becomes second nature. Once mm -hmm. you've carried a gun safely for X number of you know times in the field, or you, it just becomes, that's how you carry it. That's just yeah. how you naturally carry it now. Yeah. And um, that's how most of your experienced hunters, like, I mean, people, not just hunters, but shooters, everybody that handles firearms. I mean, you watch somebody who's been around them for a long time, that gun's never gonna be pointed in an unsafe direction. That's just mm -hmm. how they do it. Um, but if you like, so there's the option for Hunter Edge, Hunter Ed Range Day right there, right? The virtual one, it's, nothing's going to touch the camp experience. If you ask me, as far as getting your Hunter Ed certification, I, I don't think you could do, like you could specifically design and invest in something for Hunter Ed that would just be the best there is. And what your end product would be, would be conservation camps, Hunter Ed course. Yeah, for sure. So. That's probably the uh, cream of the crop, if you ask me, as far as how to go about getting it, is to go to conservation camp, which is probably not an option for most listeners, but possibly an option for their kids. <laughs> yeah. Ages uh, or grades four through six. Mm -hmm. Sign-ups are open now. Registration's open now, so I can get online and look that up. And then um, the virtual Hunter Edge range day, range day is an option for somebody who might be older than that or somebody who's not going to conservation camp so they can get ready to turkey hunt uh, before next month rolls around. Yeah, and I think for anybody out there listening that um, may be intimidated by it, just call us. We'll help walk oh, you through yeah. it. We and want people to get Hunter Ed certified and mm -hmm. be safe. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all working towards the same goal, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so, that's right. Now, the Info Center is great about that. 1-800-858-1549 is the, um, is, it's Fish and Wildlife. That's the department. When you uh, call, you'll hear some beautiful voice on the phone. What's, he's, what's that guy saying? The guy with the good know. voice? I can't remember. Except Thank you for calling the Kentucky Specialist. Was it Seth? No, it was James. It's me, Lee. <laughs> it was Seth for a long time. Thank you for calling the Kentucky <laughs> Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources. You thought I was talking about some other guy's voice like that? Yeah. I was just joking, Lee. Oh, yeah. well, just... I haven't called the department in so long. I just know everybody's Lee was, weir Lee, Lee was weirded out that you were talking about some dude's voice. Yeah, I was like, that was Seth. I will say when they, when they changed it to me saying the message, or well, the first like two times I called the department after that, it was really weird. Yeah. Like, because I, I would completely have forgotten that I did it. And then the phone would be ringing, and then I'm talking to myself. It was really, really strange the first couple of times. But I got to record a new message um, next Monday. You know why? Slato opens on mm. Tuesday. Mm. So our oh. buy your hunting and fishing license. The license year expired. Yeah, license license year expired last week. I've got to do that. Um, so Today. so if you haven't got a new hunting or fishing license, you need to. I went ahead and got my sportsman's and all three of my chances for the elk draw um, the other day. Um, so I'm ready for that. But yes, Slato opens uh, next Tuesday, March 16th. And I know that's not within R3, but it's something worth talking about. And I think they got a new uh, HVAC system, which is exciting too. Yeah, they've been working on that all winter. Yeah. yeah, most people probably don't care, but us up here do. Especially we, you know, uh, use Slato for things from time to time mm -hmm. to, you know, film this, film that. And um, <clears throat> them having a newer, quieter HVAC system is going to be helpful for us. Because sometimes the audio up there, you know, with that, the system they had would be a little rough. And then they also have the trout tanks and you have to continuously run aerators and uh, the trout tanks actually have a refrigeration system to keep the water cool. And all those things make noise. So I'm hoping it's a lot quieter back there now. Most people would probably walk in and out of there and sp spend an hour walking around and never notice a sound. But when you're a video guy, you hear this white noise. The, the, and the light can be 
especially in that back room where we used to have we have commission dinners, that light is problematic. Yeah. Well, I you, love the Slato Center. I do too. For anybody that doesn't know about it, should we tell them? Yeah. yeah the Slato Center is right here in Frankfurt. It's at headquarters. We have a two Finns Lakes and a Slato Center here. You can come visit anytime you want to. But it's, it's literally 150 yards to my north mm -hmm. northwest right yeah. now. There's a Slater Wildlife Education Center. They have, it's basically native wildlife, native animals in Kentucky, and it, it's educational. I mean, and it's not just made for a specific age range. I would say it's probably geared more towards middle school, high school, elementary school, like school age people. But, but everybody will like it. There's so many adults. I brought so out. many people here, you know. It's fun getting to, I like going back there. Like right now, uh, the deer have probably shed, the elk shed. I did check on him the other day. He was, the elk, you know, I'm not sure what his deal is, but he's weird about his antlers when they fall off. You ever gone back there and looked at him? It's he, like- Is it's, he like ashamed? Yeah, like when his antlers fall off, like he'll hide in the barn for a couple of days. <laughs> uh, he won't leave the barn. It's like he doesn't want to be seen. And the other day I went back there, <laughs> I went back there and he was pushed up against the bison fence. So he was pushed like with his body weight, like pushing hard into the bison fence with his head pushed up against the, the fencing. And there was a bison over there licking his, his uh, where his antlers had dropped off of, licking the top of his head. I, I guess the elk probably liked how it felt and the bison probably liked the, how it, I don't know. <laughs> it was, but, yeah, it was, but seeing that elk pushed up against the cage as hard as he could and that bison over there just licking his head, I was like, well, that's something you never see. But, My dog Bill used to clean Tilly's eyes and ears. She would sit there and smell and lick, and lick her ears and her eyes. That's disgusting. Yeah, we'd be like, yeah. Herd animals, yeah. you guess, right? Oh, I guess and, it, yeah. Henry, the little, little wiener dog, my sister, licks, uh, cleans uh, uh, Maggie, her sister's ears. Mm -hmm. Like sticks her nose wearing on my mouth. Joan after all was like, stop. <laughs> but, so I like to go back there and see what's going on with the animal. Like, so here in two months, I'll probably start checking in on the deer. Mm -hmm. I'll start seeing uh, how the antler growth is coming just because I'm curious. And then right before turkey season, I'll go back there and I'll watch the turkey just gobbling and their oh, heads like, up. They're already going. We heard them on the walk the other day. That guy was back there going to what, what do they sound like, <laughs> We found some the other day when we were out. Uh, Shed hunting and scouting. It was yeah. nice. There's a lot like of full fan, fans in Goblin middle of the day. Yeah. So. A lot of cool exhibits back there. Yeah. Um, so Slato Center opens next Tuesday, March 16th. I do think that because of coronavirus, you, this is how it got changed to last year. You, you don't just walk up and pay your three or five dollars at the door anymore. You actually have to go online and reserve um, your tickets online. You basically have to pick a time slot. And you know they give you plenty of time to tour the whole the whole facility. But the reason for that is just limiting capacity. And if they know how many people, or you know, they can set aside. I want a hundred people during this time slot are allowed in the facility. And then once those fill up, they know they got their safe capacity, so we don't have people crammed in there like sardines. So just go online fw.ky.gov, and that's how you can reserve your time slots for Slato. And uh, while you're there, you can also check out the kayak giveaway. Um, how to go about doing that uh, if you have camp age children and check out camp's mm -hmm. registration and then also the mm -hmm. um, um i missed one hunter ed if you need your virtual range day taken care of you can do that so a lot of stuff you can do on the website we actually got to a lot of this, the hotter item things that we needed to push and talk about as a department up here during this podcast i didn't expect us to hit all that and there's some really good informational videos the salado staff has done as well mm -hmm. um, on our website mm -hmm. so i mean there's a ton of them you guys got anything else you want to talk about? We've been going for a while. We can talk. I think just 
only thing I want to tell people is get outside. Yeah, it's about. Yeah, if I you are interested in anything, I think you can search it in the toolbar mm -hmm. of our yeah. website and well, find pretty much anything you want to do. Right. Great resources right now, like likely because of the flooding. I mean, rivers and creeks are getting pretty fishable again, but rivers and lakes are still pretty up and muddy. Fins lakes are a good option. You can get on there and check out the stocking schedule. Go catch a limited trout out of the uh, fins lakes. Those are catching keep, so you can actually take those home and eat them right now. The streams are still catching release through the end of April, Lee. Uh, for trout through the March 31. I've March never 31st. caught a trout in Kentucky. Well, Rachel, or you know this pond right no, now? No, I feel like I need <laughs> I've to... caught them right, right there, <laughs> like, like over the hill. Check that off my list. Well, I got a pole on the truck. You want to borrow it when you walk out? Or you have yeah. a, a white or a pink or a chartreuse rooster tail, and you can go hammer them real yeah, quick. No doubt. Is that all it takes? Yeah, pretty much. Just a little rooster tail? I like a rooster tail, um, a little Popeye or a curly I've done tail. A, a, a just like your pan fishing pretty Prince much? Prince and M on my fly rod too and just stripping it. Yeah, a lot of people make trout fishing seem a lot more complicated than it should be. <laughs> I mean, they're aggressive predator fish that eat minnows. So a uh, slider tail grub. I mean, that's, I've, I literally fish for them just like I would fish for crappie or white bass. Pretty I've much. caught them on the little two and a half inch sliders. I've caught them hmm. on, you know. Um, Deep running small crawfish crankbaits. I've slayed on those. Or you can put corn Little on spoons. And not, worms, red worms. I mean, they bite a lot. Best time of the day to catch a trout. Morning and after evening. These stalkers at any day it's warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I, will, I, I know some guys who are better at it than me by far, and they kind of chase the, I don't think it's necessarily time of day as much as location in the water. Um, they'll chase them around the pond. You know, if it's been warm for a couple of days, they'll fish them deeper. If it's been cold at night, they'll fish them up in the shallows, you know. They're looking for the ideal water temperature more than anything else. Mm. But I would just, if I go to, a, say if I pulled up to the Fisherman's Lake number two out there mm. at Floyd's Fork Park right now, I would have no idea where they're at. I'd just tie on a pink rooster tail and I'd go start fan casting that pond. And then mm -hmm. when I found one, I'd probably just focus on that area and, you know, more areas like it. Fan casting is a fisherman's best friend. Mm -hmm. Get out there and just try it all out until you figure out where they're at. Mm -hmm. And you know, a farm pond, even though they're a mud ball, those bass will move up on these sunny days like we're having next couple. They'll move up into a foot of water. So, trying uh, to warm up. Trying to warm up. Get uh, vitamin D. Fish uh, get vitamin D. I'm sure they probably do. I know they're they're. But that's just where the warm. You know, they're cold-blooded animals. That's where the warmer water. Well, the uh, and the upper end a lot of times warms up first where there's water that's coming into especially. Things that's I'll, a good place for catfish as well. Things I look at when I'm trying to figure out where the warmest water, I look for turtles first. Yeah. Um, the other day I was out there and I saw like eight or nine turtles in one little spot in the pond, all mm. with their heads out of the water. I was like, well, there's the warmest water right there. Um, but I look for in this, so northern banks, the northern bank of a pond, just like if you're deer hunting and your south facing slope is going to have the most sun and be where the deer want to be in the dead of the winter. If you're fishing, that northern bank is most likely going to get the most sun, um, so it's probably going to warm up quicker. Hmm. So I kind of look at you know where the sun is hitting the most of the day. And that eight pounder that I told you Kristen caught the other day, she took a cast and it was windy out. She was trying to cast like kind of diagonal out into the pond. The wind carried her bait. She said she, she thought she was on the bank, and she was reeling. Yep. It, you know, she was right there, and then she said, "Yeah, that that first three or four feet out from the bank is just deadly." Yeah, she thought she thought her bait landed on the bank. She started mm -hmm. reeling it in, realized it was right on the edge, and she said that fish was sitting a foot off the bank, I yeah. mean, like right there. I've caught so. them on square bills, uh, crankbaits, this time of year too, because they wobble so much, fishing them right off the bank, <laughs> parallel. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done well. 
Yeah, I, I'm going. I mean, parallel in the bank makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. farm well, because they're going to be up there, just you know, they want that sun. My, I really up. like diagonal casting. If I'm searching for fish, mm -hmm. I'll take a, like a cast at a 45 degree angle to the bank, you know, and then work. I'm fan cast really, but I'm paying attention to where my bait's at when the fish strikes, and then I think that. You know, I, I don't want to waste time in water that's unproductive. If I, if all the fish are within 15 feet of the bank, while my bombing cast out mm -hmm. to the middle, I'm going to start taking parallel cast to, to the bank, or you know, just fishing to where my bait's in that sweet spot as long as it can possibly be. But well, as I told you, yeah. as I told you all earlier, I haven't caught one of these fish yet this year. Okay, so maybe you shouldn't listen to anything I say. <laughs> I did a swim bait inventory yesterday, so I'm good. I went back. To, I reorganized my tackle every day too. <laughs> I think that's, that was probably Scott's favorite thing when I was talking about how I was a dangerous caster earlier. It's probably his favorite thing about me not fishing last year is he saved a lot of money on baits. Because oh. <laughs> I'd lose them left and right. I thought you were going to say he didn't have to wear his fencing helmet when he was out there. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, Scott hooked me good one time. Really? Mm -hmm. I've never hooked anybody besides myself. My it, was a, it was a wild hook. It wasn't on Obviously, my, my grandmother was throwing a three-hook Rapala in a distillery lake near my home in Bardstown, and she kept telling me, Lee, don't you run behind me. Don't you run behind me. I can't see you. Don't you run behind me. Right in the side of the face. Oh, but thank God she hadn't gotten all the way into it, and Granddad took his pliers and popped out all three hooks. So we were, we were fishing. I bled a little bit, but then I learned, hey, if your grandmother says, don't run behind me, <laughs> she's still a three-hooked long lower. No, don't run behind me. I'll tell you what, Lee's grandma taught him to listen a hard way. Yeah, no doubt. She, she did that on purposely. I hate to, she's the same one who told you not to, if the firefly landed on your rod. Yeah, right? yes. Dragonflies, good luck. She's his fish doctor. No, she's just trying to, she told Lee, you got to be real still when you're fishing. You got to be real quiet. You can't move because you need a dragonfly to land on your rod tip because that's good luck. That's good luck. And I'd be looking and that way I wouldn't be running around like an idiot. Chad figured that out on, yeah. on that segment we did on Green River. I was like, you know, I never thought of that. I just thought you believed that was to keep me quiet. Uh, <laughs> Scott caught like a big old spook, like Zara spook stuck up behind like a rock on the river. And he was like, Licking it, and I think we had he had switched a bunch to mono that year. It's got that stretch in it, maybe. I don't like that. And man, it loaded up and came back, and I I was turned around in the boat, like looking at something else, and it hit me in the back of the calf, and it wrapped around like it fit in my calf, buried one hook in, and oh! one. but then I caught a really good fish after, so I was fine with it. So. Yeah, the old mono had stretch, but you know I caught a lot of fish on mono. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, I don't like it. It was there, like, man. yeah, it was totally. You're 90% braid, pretty much? Yeah. Everywhere? Pretty much. Did you put any leaders on at all? Yeah. I'll run like fluoro or mono leaders, mostly fluoro leaders. I just, after I fished with pretty much strictly braid for a year and I got so used to that, when I, the first time I switched back and fished mono and I hooked up with a fish, I felt like I was like literally with a bungee cord, like trying to. Back and forth. Oh my gosh. It was. Yeah. A, but I mean, it, I, I, I was so, after fishing with nothing but mono for pretty much my whole life, like I just, that's what I was used to. I still use it. I mean, if you're fishing top water or something like that, you want mono. There's certain uses for it, but I'm pretty much a braid guy. If you're fishing moving water, I think braid is your best bet. That's about all we do on the river is braid. Yeah, that's what you need to. Yeah, too. Yeah. Oh, especially the river with all those rocks and stuff. Yeah. And a really good knot that even I could tie is a uni knot. I really like that for putting braid to floro, or floro leader. I don't know that knot. There's an excellent video. I learned it from watching a video from Salado Center staff. Cool. It says really, it's like, put it 
through five, and then you do it on the other side, and then you just kind of, whoosh, and it'll, whoop. huh? And it's, wonder it's how that, easy. Wonder but, how that came across for our for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> demonstration. You, you can't get us two together because we just mix. <laughs> Sound noise. <laughs> the sound effects, hopefully they, they visualize that like you. So you just pull it and the knot just tightens up and comes together and pow. So get on YouTube. How it does for twist. Probably good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I'd used it to, uh, for uh, mono backing to braid. Mm -hmm. After Chase and I went hybrid fishing, I was like, well, I need to put braid on this rod. So, yeah. but, um, so I did it to do the backing and it's held up really well. Yeah, that makes sense. There's some sweet knots. I, I need just, to learn I, that one too for like pulling crankbaits for crappie because we usually run braid for that and then. I use an all braid knot for mine. Yeah. I, I go fluoro or I, whatever later to braid using the all braid and it's nice and easy and uh, I'm pretty happy with it. So hmm. no tags whatsoever. It's just a straight inline knot. That's one you can look up online. I'm not going to try to explain to people how to tie knots through an audio medium. Well, you have to have the right sound effects. It's <laughs> really important. See, I'm not, I don't know if we do or not, so we'll just hold off on that. Let us know what they think about the sound yeah. effects. I got to know. What do you guys say we call it? Sounds great. All Thank right. you all so much. Well, it was thank, fun. Thank, get outside, everybody. It's wonderful. Yeah. So hopefully we got the info out there. What I, what I wanted to get across in this one was basically I wanted to <clears throat> learn more about what Sookie's been up to and talk about, you know, a little bit about what people should do post-shot. Um, which is something that probably needs to be rehashed in August or yeah. September, October. For sure. But also the kayak giveaway. Um, you know, somebody wins that kayak every year. And there's, I, really, from what I understand, I haven't seen the numbers, but I think that your chances of winning that giveaway are probably better than they are a lot of giveaways that you could get. No and honestly, if, if somebody else is buying the fishing license, it's a free entry for you, you know. And then camp registration, not necessarily trying to tell people, hey, this is an opportunity, but telling them it's an opportunity right now, you need to sign up quick because it's gonna go away. You know, people, it's gonna fill up no matter what. But if you wanna take advantage, you need to do it now. And then the Hunter Edge Rain Day of turkey season coming up, we need to get people, make sure people know how to get Hunter Edge certified, so. Oh, one last thing, sorry, that reminded me. We have um, Field to Fork turkey webinars going on right now. Is that right now, right now? Yeah, our next one is this Wednesday, and yeah. it's a calling one. It's gonna be really good, too. So each week, or no, it's every, it's like twice a week, isn't it? Oh, every it, other week? I saw the schedule. It's like, every week, but it varies on the days Tuesday, based on Wednesday, what our Thursday. volunteer instructors could do. But um, we have some really good instructors on there. It's gonna be really killer, so. So this week is um, calling, mm -hmm. turkey calling, which is probably, honestly, what we get the most questions about um during our call-in shows and stuff like that yeah is uh you know what tips we're actually going to down to harold knight's place tomorrow yeah i'll be down there tomorrow morning we're gonna go um shoot tungsten versus lead for the tv show and see which one we like more uh, out of what 12 or 20 gauge we, we've got all three we got a 12 a 20 and a 410. what are you shaking your head no for don't do the tw 12. <laughs> Oh, that's all Chad, not me. I'm oh my gosh, please, let's slow-mo video it. Oh, we're, we're doing a lead <laughs> shot. We're taking Chad's turkey gun that he's killed all of his turkeys with on the show. Mm -hmm. And we're going to shoot the same three and a half inch magnum turkey loads and see how that patterns out of his out of his 12 gauge. Will it kick like a mules after saying? Well, I mean, out of a 12 gauge three and a half TSS, yes. Well, oh, mean, but we're not shooting TSS as well. Okay. So we're taking his turkey setup that he's been using, which is a three and a half inch 12 gauge, and we're shooting the same lead shot out of it, seeing how it patterns. Then we're taking our 20 gauge and our 410 with a tungsten to see how they compare. Cool. So, so I mean, a normal three and a half is 
Robbie had a damn Mossberg Ultimag. Do you remember those? And three and a half, and that's the first time I shot one. Man, it, that one's a lot younger then. It lit me up. I know. So, um, I will say too, like if you really look at some of these manufacturers that are putting like the choke tubes in for turkeys, like you're, I think y'all will be like pleasantly surprised what twelve and a Harold might swear or what well. a four ten and a twenty gauge will do for folks. That's why we're going down there to shoot with Harold. He he turkey hunts like pretty much exclusively with a twenty or a four ten now. And a lot of the people, like Tim Farmer, used to be host at Kentucky Field. He shoots a 410 um, with tungsten shot for turkey because he only has one arm, obviously. It's a lot mm -hmm. easier. Jim Doom. You know, I mean, a lot of people that I really respect in the outdoors have switched over to a 410 with TSS. Because a 410, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather carry a four and a half pound 410 around in the woods all day than a set. I've got a pistol grip 410 Mossberg that belonged to my grandmother. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's That's sweet. Cool. That's how I learned to, yeah, it's... Bolt action. Oh, yeah, I've seen the bolt actions before. I was trying to think of what kind of tactical 410 your grandmother had. <laughs> no, but I mean, <laughs> I think it was mainly for squirrel, but I mean, I shot does, squirrels, all kinds. It's the only shotgun I have for a while. Well, there you go. I'll be ready for turkey season, guys. I know you will too, Rachel. Yeah, sorry about that. Right. But turkey webinars, Wednesday, calling mm -hmm. one. It's Wednesday, and it's on Facebook or YouTube? It's on, you can sign up through a Zoom link on our website or it'll stream live to YouTube also. Stream so, live to YouTube. Yeah. We'll just get on our website and check that out as well. Lots of stuff we're sending people to the website for. You got any questions, 1-800-858-1549, right? Thank you all so much. Thank no you. No problem. Appreciate it, guys. See ya.